So, uh, happy Gaur Purnima to everyone. It's okay now. Happy Gaur Purnima to everyone. And um, it's 2021. For those of you who are watching this, hundreds of years in the future. And uh, I'm still in Gainesville, Florida. So, uh, my personal inspiration today for Gaur Purnima is that, um, well, as it often is, but perhaps it's more intense today, that we have to um, really fully surrender to Prabhupada's mission. So what does that mean in practical terms? Uh, what does it mean to, I mean, the old days we thought fully surrender means you move into a Hare Krishna temple, empty out your bank account into the temple treasury, and you... Uh, you, you know, you change your way of dressing. If you're a man, you, you know, cut your hair off, leaving a shika, and the ladies were sorry, and I don't know, cover yourself up, sort of like a Muslim lady. So really mean to surrender, because on Gaur Purnima, really what we should be thinking about is, of course, glorifying Lord Chaitanya and meditating, how can I surrender to him? How can I fully surrender Lord Chaitanya? That's um one second. I'm just going to lower the curtain here, so that uh, if you still see the the bright light in my face, it means it's it's personal effulgence. <laughs> just kidding. Anyway, so um, so what is it? So that's what I because if you understand the glories of Lord Chaitanya, if you understand the glories of Lord Chaitanya, then you surrender to him. It's just like Arjuna. Arjuna heard from Krishna. Lord Krishna revealed his glories. He revealed his universal form. And then he revealed his uh, four-handed form. And then, of course, again, he revealed his two-handed form. And uh, so Arjuna, who had always been Krishna's friend, realized again and, and, and more deeply than ever that Krishna is everything. That Krishna is everything, and Arjuna. So, what did? How did Arjuna respond to Krishna's glories? That's my point. He responded by saying, "Kurishe bachanantava." I will do what you said. He surrendered to Krishna in a very practical way of giving up his personal uh, preferences and just agreeing to give his whole life, perhaps literally, to give his life in the war, to carry out Krishna's desire and Krishna's plan. So this surrender where you give up everything does not mean, according to the Bhagavad Gita, that you give up your personal nature. Because Krishna says, for example, in the Bhagavad Gita 3333, that sadrasham even a learned person acts according to his or her own nature. Uh, and then Krishna states as a general rule, a universal principle, prakriting janti bhutani, creatures follow their nature. Nigraha king karishati, what will repression do? And Krishna in chapter 18, and in many places, Krishna explained over and over again to Arjuna that your duty is swabhava ja. It is literally born of your nature. 
Christian says it is very dangerous to do another's duty. In other words, not the duty born of your nature. And Arjuna, when he surrendered to Krishna, when he devoted himself fully to Krishna, he remained a Grihastha Kshatriya. Because it didn't change the duty born of his nature. It just changed whether or not to do that duty and whether to do it fully. For example, Arjuna could have said that, okay, I'm going to fight at Kurukshetra, but I'm not really going to fight as hard as I can. Like if it comes to Drona or if it comes to Bhishma, I won't fight as hard. So I'm doing my duty as a Kshatriya. I'm fighting on the battlefield, but I'm still going to uh, give in to some of my own preferences. So Arjun had to fully surrender. And that's the example. Bhagavad Gita, uh, many people speak of rasa nowadays, which is nice, but we cannot forget the basics. It's not that, uh, uh, you're right in the camera, by the way. It's not when we, still, it's it's, it's not that when we, um, how should I put it, I've lost my train of thought here. Uh, everyone's walking around and it's it's all this walking around is right on the camera so just want to let you know um anyway we have a little quiet on the set now so i'll try to remember what i was what i was saying um so even though, obviously, Lord Chaitanya, among other things, is, is giving advanced knowledge, he's also teaching Bhagavad Gita. If you read the Chaitanya Charitamrita, which is such an important work, Krishnadas Kaviraj often quotes the Bhagavad Gita. So we should not get so rasika that we forget the basics. And the basic is to do what Arjuna did. So each of us, I mean, we don't literally take up deadly weapons in this age and go, uh, you know, killing people that we somehow believe are demons. That's not our duty right now. So, but it is a battle. It is a battle. And uh, because it's not easy to spread Krishna consciousness and it's not easy to spread Krishna consciousness to ourselves. It's not easy to spread it to ourselves because all of us have to use the cliche, a comfort zone, and of course, if we are too austere, that's also bad because Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, don't eat too much or too little, don't sleep too much or too little. So it, this is not about ignoring our personal needs or subjecting ourselves to unnatural austerities that destabilize our physical health or even our emotional health. That's not the point to go to extremes like that. But within the within a reasonable range, things that we can actually do and still have a healthy, stable life. Uh, once we've done that, like, for example, Krishna Bhagavad Gita says foods of the mode of goodness are healthy, arogya. So we should eat healthy, we should offer healthy foods to Krishna and so on. But once we have done just the basics to keep ourselves emotionally, physically stable, and spiritually progressive, there should not be any other consideration other than what is needed to spread Prabhupada's mission. 
And there certainly cannot be consideration of bodily comfort. I mean, bodily health is a consideration, but there's a difference between health and comfort. Uh, and, um, for example, Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, Dukamiti evajat karma, Dukamiti evajat karma, kaya klesha bhayatya jait sakritva rajasantyago naiva tyaga falang levet. That if a person would give up their duty, and that, that's the verb form Krishna uses, if a person would give up their duty, uh, because dukamiti, they're thinking, I won't be happy by doing my duty. Like, I won't like it. Or, of course, if you don't like it because it's not your nature, then it's not your duty. But assuming something, so it requires intelligence, actually, to, to figure these things out. But if something is your duty and does fit your nature, but it's just maybe you'd rather do something else, then Krishna says if someone gives up their duty, they would. They would. It's interesting. He uses the word tijet, one who would give up their duty thinking that it won't make me happy, or kaya klesha bhayat, which means out of fear, bhayat, out of fear of kaya klesha, that's some bodily inconvenience. Not, I mean, here we're not talking about like, okay, if I do this, I'll get myself killed. No, that's not what Krishna's talking about. One time, it was in 1976, I was with Prabhupada in Mayapur, and some one or some people in Bangladesh uh, wanted to donate a temple, a Hindu temple or Vaishnava temple to ISKCON. And Prabhupada was really, really inspired by this because, of course, Lord Chaitanya's father came from Bangladesh. Lord Chaitanya traveled in Bangladesh. Many of the greatest devotees, Lord Chaitanya, came from there. So Prabhupada was extremely eager to establish his movement in Bangladesh, so much so that he immediately sent uh, Subhag, who's now Swami, he was Brahmacharya then, he sent Subhag and myself to, um, to Calcutta to get visas. He was sending us to Bangladesh to see if we could secure this temple that, that someone was offering. And so we immediately went to Calcutta and we got the visas and stayed overnight there. And then the next morning we came back very early. And when I, when we arrived in Mayapur, we went to the temple because Prabhupada was in the temple uh, during Guru Puja. So actually Guru Puja was going on. We walked into the temple and Prabhupada was so anxious to, um, about this, that he immediately called me over. He actually called me over to the Vyasasana and right in the middle of Guru Puja said, did you get the visa? And uh, I said, yes, we got it. So later that day, one of Prabhupada's old family friends, Tarun Kanti Ghosh, came to see him. Tarun Kanti Ghosh was from a very important family in West Bengal. He was a member of parliament and he owned one of the uh, most important newspapers in in Calcutta. So he was a very important person, younger than Prabhupada, his younger generation, but Prabhupada knew the family. And so Tarun Kanti Ghosh came and and I was there also with Prabhupada. And uh, Prabhupada told him that he was sending me and uh, Subhaga to, um, to Bangladesh. And then Tarun Kanti, who was, you know, he was a member of parliament. He knew what was going on in the world, obviously. He said to Prabhupada that it's dangerous now to go there 
because of the political situation and, and there were some anti-Hindu things going on. So he said it was dangerous. So I said, after he said that, I said to Prabhupada, oh, that's okay, we'll go anyway, which was, you know, obviously not the most mature thing in the world to say, but then Prabhupada said, no, no, if it's dangerous, then don't go. So here's something that Prabhupada was so anxious for, and yet when he heard there was danger in his disciples, he canceled He canceled the, um, the trip. So I mentioned that because when Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, kaya klesha, klesha means trouble, inconvenience, some kind of, some kind of suffering. And so if I fear that my body won't be comfortable or something like that, and therefore I give up my, what really is my duty, uh, then Krishna says, sakritva, rajasam tyagam, literally having thus done uh, renunciation in the mode of passion, rajasam tyagam, naiva tyaga falang labet, a per, that person will never achieve, can can never achieve uh, what Krishna called tyaga falang, the fruit of renunciation. So what is the tyaga falla? What is the fruit of renunciation? Well, we give things up because we don't like them. And so we give things up because we want to be free of something that we don't like. And Krishna said, that will never happen. You will not actually find the comfort the happiness, the peace that you want by giving up your duty. And so going back now to Lord Chaitanya, I mean, this is all about Lord Chaitanya, but um, on this day, of course, we talk about Lord Chaitanya, but to me, the essence is to try to understand what is the best possible service within the parameters of Bhagavad Gita. What is the best possible service that I can offer to Lord Chaitanya? If we understand the glories of Lord Chaitanya, if we're attracted to his pastimes, then the response should be Arjuna's response, that I will do everything I can to serve your mission. That is how Krishna responded. That is how Arjuna responded to Krishna when he saw Krishna's glory. So if you understand Mahaprabhu's glories, that is the response which shows that you actually understood. That you, like Arjun, we say, I will do the best possible service for you. So I remember there was one, uh, not a god brother, but a spiritual nephew of Prabhupada, a disciple of his god brother, who many, many years ago tried to make a distinction that uh, that Lord Chaitanya is actually just relishing Radha Krishna Leela, whereas Mahavishnu within Lord Chaitanya is preaching. And uh, anyway, that was a thing in his concept many years ago. And I thought this is actually completely wrong for obvious reasons. And, and so I'll just mention this about Lord Chaitanya. <clears throat> and that is, you could ask the question, why in the world would Krishna, when he desired to understand better or relish Radharani's love for him, which is what we read, and therefore he takes the form of Chaitanya, that much 
you can understand. But why in the world would he do that in the material world and not in the spiritual world where he could do it? And if he's so that's the first question. Why would Lord Chaitanya perform this most intimate Leela in the material world on sort of a lower middle class planet in Kali Yuga? It seems like this would be the last place in the world that Krishna would perform this most intimate conjugal pastime. So that's the question. Why? Why in this world? Why in Kali Yuga? And I think the answer is very obvious. Because if you look at Krishna Leela 5,000 years ago, uh, literally heads were rolling. I mean, there's a, <laughs> millions of people lost their heads just when Jarasandha attacked. Jarasandha attacked 17 times. In the 18th time, Krishna just kind of laughed and went on to Dwarka. But each one of those times, uh, the first 17 times that Jarasandha attacked, if you do the math, all 17 times, Krishna killed more Asuras than all the people on both sides that were killed in Kurukshetra. Kurukshetra, the, 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 uh, the war lasted 18 days. There were 18 Akshohinis and uh, described in the 18 Parvas of Mahavarta. So if you, anyway, 18 Akshohinis, it comes out to about three or four million. Forgot the exact number. So Jarasandha, Krishna came and Krishna and Balaram killed more people every time Jarasandha attacked than all the people of Kurukshetra on both sides. So a very large number of people uh, were removed from the planet. And yet in Chaitanya... Oops, sorry about that. How do you... Oh, I did successfully. Yet, I'm going to turn the sound off. Sorry about that. So in Lord Chaitanya's Leela, a mere 5,000 years later, uh, actually 4,500 years later, um, no one is killed. Not one person is killed. One of the sons of uh, Bhavananda Roy is almost killed, but then he's not. Probably the most violent thing in all of, well, Haridas Thakur was whipped in the marketplaces, but didn't die. But that was not violence initiated by the Lord. I mean, the most violent thing that Lord Chaitanya actually did himself was there was this prasadam tray and it sort of bounced off the head of an offensive Buddhist who didn't die and apparently didn't suffer any permanent brain damage. And that's the most violent thing that happens in Chaitanya Leela. So the point is, it is precisely Radharani with her infinitely compassionate mood. It's that mood of Radharani with Krishna that induces Krishna in this Kali Yuga to be so extraordinarily merciful. So therefore, Lord Chaitanya experiencing the mood of Radharani and going out to save all the fallen souls, that is the mood of Radharani. But people who are trying to do this one-upsmanship and show off how Rasika they are, uh, they miss this obvious philosophical point as if they're too good for uh, to preach. And so, um, so we should take advantage. Lord Chaitanya is so merciful. 
Junior Haridas uh, eventually took his own life and could not have in in that life uh, the 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 association of Mahaprabhu, the intimate association he'd always enjoyed, because what for us would be a, a very tiny, tiny, almost non-existent offense. And so if you think about what our condition is in Kali Yuga, the condition of our minds, and somehow or other we are, you know, plowing on, somehow or other we are pushing on and practicing bhakti yoga, keeping our faith in Prabhupada and Krishna and Lord Chaitanya, trying to serve to the best of our ability, despite all of these, despite our condition. And so clearly without extraordinary mercy, without extraordinary mercy, we would not be serious candidates to achieve love of God. It's the mercy of Radharani that that makes all this possible for us. So therefore, I'll I'll wrap this up. I'm not going to give a long class. Uh, But um, Prabhupada, Prabhupada used to say, I remember when we when we would go to Mayapur starting 1974, when we would go to Mayapur for the festival, Prabhupada would say that now during this season of Gorapurnima and, and the beginning beginning of a new Chaitanya year, Gorabda, you know, the Abda means year. So at the beginning of a new Chaitanya year, Prabhupada said, you should chalk out your plan for the year. Prabhupada told us when we used to go to Mayapur, now make your plan of how you are going to serve Krishna in this coming year. What is the best service you can do uh, for his mission? And so that's what we should be doing. We should hear the glories of Lord Chaitanya. And if we really are inspired, we should, uh, if we're really inspired, we should chalk out a plan. What is the absolute best service that I can do for Lord Chaitanya in this coming year? And that's how we respond to his glories. If we are not thinking like that, we didn't deeply understand his glories. Just like Arjuna, when Krishna asked Arjuna, Kachireta Chutamparta, Toyakai Grena Chaitasa, did you actually hear this, Arjuna? Did you hear what I told you? with your mind completely focused. Ekagra. Agra means a point. Ekagra means one-pointed. That's how you say focused in Sanskrit. One-pointed. So so did you really hear me? Did you really understand? And Arjuna responded, yes. And now I will do what you said. So that's the, if we really understand the glories of Mahaprabhu, if we really understand that he's Krishna himself, that he's Krishna in the mood of Radharani. Actually, according to the Chaitanya Charitamrita, some of the most um, powerful and uh, mystical, I would say, theological statements in all of our literature, the very beginning of the Chaitanya Charitamrita, Krishna's Kaviraj says that, uh, he says that, um, that the two souls Radha and Krishna become one, that Radha and Krishna are, are, are actually eternally one. You know, they, they separate in the, in the past type form of Radha and Krishna. Now they're again together. So, I mean, Radha and Krishna are two personalities, and yet somehow they are one. 
If you think about it in romantic love, of course, sannyasis are expert at these things, but in romantic love, uh, you get two people, let's say a man and a woman, and they become, of course, we're in the material world, but so don't get your hopes up. But at least you can understand the principle of romantic love as it ultimately reaches perfection spiritually, not materially. So you get two people and they become a couple. There's a sense in which they, two individuals become one thing, a loving couple. And so this is sort of understood or, or aspired for in this world. But in the case of Radha Krishna, there because that is a supreme love. That is the supreme, perfect, infinite love. And so you have Radha and you have Krishna, and yet somehow they are one, and yet they are Radha and Krishna. And so, and so if you understand Lord Chaitanya, it actually unlocks the mystery of romantic love. It's interesting because Lord Chaitanya also took sannyas, and yet he's displaying the supreme, infinite perfection of romantic love, where two souls become like one. And so... Um, so it's a very, Krishna talks about this, that Radha and Krishna are one, yet they, they took different forms. Now they're together in the same body. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's practically the most advanced theology of romantic love existing anywhere. It's a, so you could, I mean, to say the least, you could meditate on this for the rest of your life and, and not and never fully understand it. But still, that's Radha and Krishna, that's Lord Chaitanya. And as far as Lord Chaitanya's internal and external mission to relish Krishna, to relish Radharani's love, Radha Bhava, and uh, at the same time save the fallen souls, uh, thinking these are different people doing this, serious misunderstanding. Actually, it's just Krishna. Uh, with Radharani. So, any questions on these points? Uh, oh, let me check. There's a comment section. Uh, so, thank you all for listening. I'm going to try to go through these with my defective trackpad. Let's see. Um... Any questions so far? Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for your comments. And happy Gaur Purnima to everyone. Um, everyone is saying happy Gaur Purnima. I certainly wish you all a happy Gaur Purnima. Oh, here's a quest. Oh, no. It's not a question. I don't see any questions. Uh, if you see a question that I didn't see, you can send it. Does anyone here in the peanut gallery have a question? Yes, Padma. Uh, Actually, you can ask it online. This is your chance. This is, uh, you know, Bhakti Yad Institute has talent. Yes. Uh, uh, so on one of your posts, you said that um, Lord Chaitanya's mercy or that Lord Shikani didn't know what was going on in the rest of the world as far as Europe. 
No, 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 that's not what I said, actually. The question was that I had apparently said that Lord Shaitanya didn't know what was going on in Europe. I mean, obviously, Lord Shaitanya knows everything going on everywhere. So the point was that um, the the culture, I mean, the geopolitical, cultural reality of India was not engaged with Europe. Although, actually, Vasco da Gama, kind of a... courageous medieval brute that sailed around the world and landed in southwest India. That's why you have Portuguese-speaking places like Goa. And so when Lord Chaitanya was on the planet, actually, during Lord's... It's very interesting because uh, I think there's very... I mean, for those of you who like history, because Lord Chaitanya ultimately wanted to unite the world in love of God. And so all the seeds of globalism were planted, really, during Lord Chaitanya's time whether it's, you know, just before he came, the printing press, the uh, the age of exploration, the world began to come together. Modernism really began. The modern world in which people would not kill each other necessarily over religion. So you could have an international society for Krishna consciousness. I won't go into all the details. I mean, but it's a whole story of all the things. For example, the hegemony of one church in in, in most of Europe was broken. There never could have been an international society for Krishna consciousness in a Europe which was ruled by a fanatical church. And so that monopoly was broken. Religious freedom in Europe emerged during the time of Lord Chaitanya, naturally. Religious freedom emerged, I mean, within limits. And if you weren't killed by people that disagreed with you. But religious freedom began, uh, secularism began, the Renaissance was picking up steam. And what is the Renaissance? It's a rebirth of Vedic of, of Vedic culture in the sort of Mediterranean Lecha version. That's what it was, really. And so the world was, was dramatically transforming Lord Chaitanya during Lord Chaitanya's time on the planet. I mean, Columbus, who we should all cancel now, but Columbus was actually trying to get to East India. I mean, he was actually trying to get basically to Gorodesh. Or to Orisa. So where, where Columbus was trying to get to is actually where Lord Chaitanya was. When Columbus set sail in 1492, uh, Lord Chaitanya was about six years old. And so if Columbus had not bumped into North America, if he would have actually gone where he's trying to go, he would have come to a place very close to where Lord Chaitanya was living. And so I won't go into all the ways in which the age of exploration and all that dramatically transformed the world and basically created the possibility of an international society for Krishna consciousness. So, so Lord Chaitanya's mercy basically spread everywhere. Lord Chaitanya, whenever Krishna comes, 5,000 years ago, whenever he comes, he prepares the way. He doesn't just land in a place like, whoops, whoops, I guess I should have adjusted things before I came. Oops, next, next time I'll, you know, be a little more careful. No. Krishna, he prepares everything. Just like Krishna, before he appeared 5,000 years ago, he sent all these previous generations to prepare the earth for him. And uh, like that song in Handel's Messiah, comes in the New Testament, prepare the way for the Lord. I think that's from actually from the Old Testament, from Isaiah. Prepare the way for the Lord. And so, yes, whenever Krishna comes, he obviously intervenes in history, arranges everything 
So he appears exactly in the historical context that's favorable for his mission. That certainly happened. I mean, we could talk, you know, we could have a whole college course just on how the world changed when Lord Chaitanya was coming and we actually came. So there's nothing more magnanimous than the love that Radharani has for Krishna. I simply wish to help increase that love if possible. Is this okay? No, you should never love Krishna. I'm just kidding. Yes, of course. And, and the way we develop that love is by chanting Hare Krishna. The best way to do that is just chant Hare Krishna. So, uh, Kamalakshi, what is happening with Krishna in the spiritual world while he is in the material world? Performing his pastimes, Lord Chaitanya. Uh, uh, could you, we're in the middle of a class. Is someone... Are you listening to that? You need to turn. Oh. Oh, can you close that door? Oh. Nothing like people coming in the middle of the class. Uh, so, anyway, sorry. Uh, so, in the spiritual world, uh, everything goes on as normal. Krishna expands himself into many forms, and the spiritual world goes on exactly as it is. So, do you agree that Manjari Bhava Radha Dasi was brought by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? Uh, yes, but it was already there because the actual Manjari's gopis. We're having a live broadcast and you walked in in the middle of it, okay? Sorry, I just have to explain things that I didn't think I would have to explain. So, um, the gopis, the actual gopis, Lord Chaitanya uh, revived Krishna consciousness, but even if uh, if you look at the Alvars, who are great Vaishnavas in southeast India, in Tamil Nadu, um, there was the idea of conjugal love. So Lord Chaitanya, he exemplified it in the mood of Radharani, However, uh, Prabhupada also warned us we can't imitate everything Lord Chaitanya did. If one wants to uh, exhibit Manjari Bhava, then you should also maybe just eat two old grains of rice a day like Raghunath Das did. So clearly the goal is that love of Krishna, but we have to be very careful and go step by step. Prabhupada certainly was in pure Krishna consciousness, and he was very discreet about it. He... um he didn't talk about his rasa with Krishna, although some people don't want to talk about anything else. Prabhupada didn't talk about it. He clearly had pure love for Krishna, and he was intensely focused on pleasing Krishna by spreading his movement. So that discretion is very important. And uh, so I think in terms of how to deal with Manjari Bhava, and how all these things, I like to follow Prabhupada. I am, I admire very much Prabhupada's discretion, his humility, his focus. So I think Prabhupada is the founder Acharya. And what's the use of being a founder Acharya if you don't take his behavior as exemplary? So I think Prabhupada's exemplary behavior in terms of how to how to deal with one's own ecstasy or just the general topic of advanced ecstasy, 
I think Prabhupada revealed that very nicely. And I am going to follow Prabhupada on that. Uh, do you agree that, oh, I've already done that. Haribudi, uh, translating from Spanish, Dwarpa Yuga ends with a great quantity of heads rolling. Kali Yuga ends with a great quantity of heads rolling. And the incarnations of the Lord that directly preach uh, without blood is, by, is it exceptional. Uh, no, if you look at the Bhagavatam, look at all the different incarnations of Krishna, they're not all violent. They do many different things. Kapila taught Sankhya philosophy. Miranda <clears throat> um, in perspective, uh, looking at this in perspective, uh, it was never needed a strategy. Oh, no, in the past, there are many different incarnations that do many different things. If you look at, for example, Rishabdev, that's also completely different. If you look at Kapila, it's completely different. There, there's have to look at all the incarnations. So uh, what would be the significance that Lord Chaitanya made only a single request to his mother that she follow Ekadasi? Well, maybe because she was a completely liberated great Vaishnavi. If the purpose of Ekadasi is to increase spiritual growth by improving regulation and intensity of spiritual activities, wouldn't it be more effective in the Western world if we pract if we practiced on the same day every two weeks rather than based on a lunar calendar? Uh, when Prabhupada was here, the codicy was on one day for everyone in the world. I think most devotees would vote for going back to that system, and I will say nothing to defend the present system. Uh, clearly, in giving that instruction to his mother, because Lord Chaitanya's mother was, everyone knows, incredibly exalted Vaishnavi, I think the idea is that it's just like Kapila instructed his mother, Devahuti, who already was a pure devotee, but still to make an exemplar, an example of how important this is that he taught it to his own mother. Someone's asking, are the 11th, 12th cantos of the Bhagavatam unapproachable by neophytes? Uh, no. If you read one of the relevant languages and you can read it, you may not understand everything in it, but you can certainly read it and get some benefit. It's not all super rasika or super advanced. Some of it is just Good old-fashioned philosophy. An old question for me. How is it that Krishna does not know that Srimati Radharani is really part of him? Well, actually, he does know. He actually does know that. So, uh, oh, as far as saying he wanted to experience Radharani's love, perhaps that's what you're referring to. Um That's kind of a pastime not knowing. It's just like, for example, let's say in Radha Krishna Leela, Radharani surprises Krishna in the middle of the forest or something. I mean, you could say, well, if he's God, didn't he know she was there? Uh, these are pastimes. These are pastimes. Krishna is omniscient. So here's a question. Is it reasonable to consider that I can only truly know my nature in retrospect after having tried different things in life? Well, how many things you need to try depends on your intelligence and your sincerity. Some people need to try things for a very long time. Other people learn quickly. So if you can be a quick learner, then uh, you can save yourself a lot of trouble. So thank you all very much. Again, I wish everyone a happy Gaur Purnima. Thank you all for listening. 
And uh, hopefully we'll see you. I won't see you, but hopefully we'll all be together next week. Oh, missed some more questions. So, uh, sorry. Why does Lord Chaitan, why does Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appear in this age and not in others? Uh, he does appear in every age, as he explains clearly in Bhagavad Gita, not, but in different forms. Krishna appears in every age in an appropriate form. Krishna is very smart, and he knows what's best for every age. What is the meaning of guru in life and both Balmiki and Balmiki and Shankaracharya were gurus, and what was the difference between them? Uh, that is really not at all related to what we're talking about. Uh, Shankaracharya, a very different topic. Uh, guru means someone who's a good devotee and helps you to be a good devotee. That's the short version. So, thank you all very much. Hare Krishna, and uh, happy Gaur Purnian to everyone. Purnima. Yeah.